All right, folks, welcome back to the Last Mountain with Swire football podcast. MWR.com is our website. You know what that is. If not, check it out. Jeremy Moss here, hanging out with a uh, good buddy, Matt Kennerly. Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff, MWC Wire. So, first off, Matt, um, are you going to you gonna make it through the show? Because I heard... I, will, I promise I will make it through the show. Because our buddy Raj is more of a... Well, he's a... Well, he's, he's just concerned for your health. He's like, I would have just turned it off and say I quit. Well, he, he has some well-earned bravado as a Boise fan. And, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the Broncos in a little bit as we recap week two. But, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit different. Um, and, and some of that has to do with being a Fresno State guy. You know, I'm, I'm kind of used to games like this. It's but we'll, a, we'll talk about that more We'll later. get to that. So week, week two is in the books. We have... Um, a few, well, we'll get to all the games. You know, you know what's going to happen. You Aztecs squeaking by. You had a CSU. What the heck? You have all sorts of stuff going on. Let's just dive into it because we got 12 games here. We don't need to spend two hours because I don't want to talk for two hours that often. So let's get I to it. I don't think anybody wants to listen to us for two hours. <laughs> You'd be surprised. That um, combined, um, when we did the Mountain West preview, the big one, or the Boise preview, excuse me, both of those, the big preview we did was almost two hours. People listened to it. The Mountain West one, where or Boise one where me when Raj joined for a bit and then you joined for part of it that was a good almost three hours and that was one of our most listened to ever so sure well, let's not let's not push our luck I know I'm just saying <laughs> I'm just saying thank you for that but still regardless we, you know how it is it's about an hour or so give or take oh, yeah. five ten minutes so let's just get going with uh um New Mexico Wisconsin we'll start that one is that a good one to go with I guess yeah let's step, let's jump into it so um. I didn't see many of these games live, but when I was scoreboard watching, I'm like, is my computer, is my phone refreshing properly, for, especially for this game? Because you had uh, New Mexico, 7-0. to New Mexico, 7-3. to 10-7 to for a good portion. <laughs> what the heck happened? New Mexico showed up and did something? They actually throw the ball? Oh, but it's sort of like the Utah State game last year versus Wisconsin. Uh, 45-14. That was the end result, but... The Lobos gained a lot of credit for how this game played out for about almost three quarters. Definitely. And I mean, I think that, you know, the defense especially was, there were a lot of question marks all over the place going into this season. And, you know, even though they didn't, they weren't able to hold out for four quarters, they deserve a lot of credit for putting up a fight early. You know, they really kind of took the game to Wisconsin early. You know, I believe they forced, you know, I'm trying to remember how many turnovers they forced in the first half. They forced two fumbles. They, rec- mm-hmm. they recovered one. They had the the I don't know if it was a strip sack or it was credited as an interception where the the linebacker Tohi, I'm trying to remember his first name and I apologize that I can't remember it. But you know, they had a big return off of that. And even though the offense kind of failed to find a lot of traction, like they had that very successful first drive where they ran right down the field. 17 plays Ooh. on the very first drive, 87 Ooh. yards for a touchdown. I mean, even though, they weren't, even though they weren't able to keep that up, you know, I think that, you know, they did, they showed a lot better overall than I think any of us would have expected. And it's kind of a bummer that Tavaka Tuioti wasn't able to kind of finish it out because he was injured late in the first half and he was replaced by Sharon Jones, who, you know, he was okay, but, you know, he had those couple of interceptions that, you know, if you go back and look at the replays, I think he definitely wants those back. You know, one of those was after that, you know, kind of strip sack interception, whatever you want to call it, that they had against Hornerbrook. 
And he just kind of sailed it over the receiver's head right into the arms of a Wisconsin defensive back. And, you know, maybe that's the kind of mistake that, you know, a, a young and developing offense is going to make. But, you know, if Tuiouti's out for more than a week or two, it kind of throws into question, I think, what this offense is going to be able to do going forward, even as the schedule eases up a little bit. Yeah, he had a, it's officially a head injury, no update of what it is, so it could be going through concussion protocol for who knows <laughs> how long. But, like, that one interception, it was third and eight inside near the red zone, 26-yard line. It's picked off in the end zone for by Scott Nelson there. That could have been three points. Who knows? But – if I'm not, we're not saying, but I don't think either of us are saying if Tuiata would play the whole game the other one, probably would have been a little bit closer because Wisconsin eventually, like Jonathan Taylor, got his got his yards. What two hundred twenty something, two hundred plus yards? Two hundred and fifty three. Oh, two fifty three. Who I need to give him all those yards, three touchdowns. But it would have been, it could have been closer. Who knows if the, not turn the ball over is it's, it's issues. But for them playing as well as they did for a while, they didn't give up. They had a huge drive because Wisconsin, like they're a people can playoff team essentially going to the national title winning the big 10 and Lobos hung around for a lot for a lot longer than most people thought they but you're right I think the big thing if Jones is your starter not that it, who knows give him it's here's the thing too he gets thrown into a game at Camp Randall 70 plus thousand people there 75,000 people that's pretty intimidating yeah so give him a week if if he's going to play I assume he'll probably take the be the one guy for a little bit and they got New Mexico State which is a big deal rivalry game Aggies aren't as good as we thought they'd be, but it's still a pretty big deal for that interstate game. And I guess the only other thing, like, I remember I mentioned, if they play, like, their best game ever, they still wouldn't come out on top. They weren't mm-hmm. close to that, but when you look at, like, third down efficiency, 6 of 13 is pretty good. Only one penalty had two turnovers, or, a game, or they are forced two turnovers, I should say. Some of the smaller stuff, the stuff there, like, is why they are staying in the game. The time possession was good for that first drive. It's just mm. that was constant. And the passing game, like, we know Hornibrook is just a – he's a, kind of like Christian Chapman, essentially. He does usually – does good things. Not going to be amazing like what he does with Aztecs, but he can do a, dri- a couple drives here and there, put up some numbers. He was 8 of 11, but he only had 148 yards, which I guess only is a good, pretty efficient way throwing to A.J. Taylor. But it's not like it was – they were able to slow that down a little bit, I guess. They didn't allow them to beat him in the air. But mm-hmm. Wisconsin is just going to run over everybody. So be sort of optimistic and just hope Tuiati is healthy enough to play. I guess that's a big thing, right? Yeah, and I think that in, you know, in the weeks going forward, one of the things we talked about going into this game was how is the running game going to respond You know, after kind of coming out a little bit flat against Incarnate Word. And, you know, I don't know. I think if you go back and look at what they were able to do, especially when the game was still competitive, you know, in the first half, they ran the ball 21 times and only got 37 yards. That, you know, that's not going to get the job done. And no. so that, I think, is still something that I'm waiting to see, you know, and especially against uh, an Aggies defense that's kind of reeling now, especially. We'll talk about that, them more in a minute. You know, this is a very good opportunity for New Mexico to kind of right a lot of wrongs that have shown up in the first couple of weeks. So we'll find out more next week, but I think so. It's hard to tell where New Mexico is at playing FCS and playing Wisconsin. I'm assuming, or I know for sure, next week we'll know kind of how good they are after playing the. I guess I put us more on the level. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think they can be encouraged by the fact sure. that they were able to keep drives going here and there like they they weren't totally shut down on 
those real critical plays. They ended up six of 13 on third downs, which was not quite as well as Wisconsin did. They were six of nine on the defensive end, Mm -hmm. but that's not nothing, you know, being able to complete or to be able to convert about 50% of those opportunities is still a fairly significant positive. I think for a Lobos offense, yeah, and it, like one last note here before we go on. It looks like Jones is going to start practice as the one guy this week versus the Aggies. But then also, like Bob Davies says it perfectly, it's bottom line, it's 10-7 in the third quarter. We create that turnover, and we have a chance, and we turn the ball over three times in the second half. Defense yeah. got worn down. So it's, it's, it's this isn't like the Utah State game last year where it was 10-0, and then in the second quarter they rolled off a million points. This was reasonably close. Like there was – some a small amount of doubt that this could be an upset or even way closer than we thought in the midway mm. third quarter. So that, that is encouraging. So should we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's do that. So I don't my, my ESPN's being wonky here. I know UConn Boise's not next, so I'll pass on that. I was going to Nevada Vanderbilt. Oh boy, um, that was I, that was disappointing. Can I rescind my I like Nevada? <laughs> You're already committed to that. I I am committed. I, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let one bad game dissuade you from that but i mean let's not beat around the bush it was pretty rough effort especially for the offense yeah like ganji 22 39 216 td two picks like come on the first quarter it was nuts it was no nobody could score but it's like punt punt fumble punt jeez they get a field goal finally but they were getting all these short drives for like just reading off the play chart, which is just boring. But just looking what they did, the defense did pretty good in the first quarter, or first half, or yeah, first quarter and first half. Like they forced a fourth and goal, stopped them, which was huge. They had to turn out three plays now and punt to flip field position where Vanderbilt just, oh, let's go 50 plus yards and get a touchdown, then a fumble, then a touchdown. <laughs> there was like nothing going great until the end of the half where they got that field goal and touchdown. But the offense, like, I know we kind of joke, Vanderbilt's. Defense is usually pretty good, and they showed up for this. But it's not like they're a team where scoring 41 points is kind of out of the norm for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think it could have been a lot worse had the defense not came out. And, you know, even though they things kind of got away from them in the second half, I still kind of think they played okay, if only because, you know, like you mentioned, they did, you know, force two turnovers. Yeah. They did have nine tackles for loss. And they did put pressure on Kyle Shermer when he was dropping back to pass every so often. So there were some positives there. It's just, you know, it was one of those things where, especially in the second half, they just weren't able to keep up, especially since the offense really kind of sputtered, except for those two drives, or especially, well, let's narrow it down. Yeah. The one, the one touchdown drive near the end of the first half where, they looked most like themselves, kind of moving the ball down the field, especially through the air. You know, that was, I think, Ty Ganji's best drive of the afternoon. And he was a little bit off for the rest of it. Yeah, and these are the games where we could see more of these coming for Nevada because if their offense doesn't score, they're in trouble. And so, like, getting below, like when they play pretty good teams, not necessarily this one, but if they play Boise State when they play Boise, when they play teams that can move the ball and score points, like when they play UNLV – who did pretty good versus UTEP, but these the games are either going to be a shootout or they get blown out. I don't think there's going to be like a 10 or 14 point loss for Nevada on the schedule for the most part. It's going to you be. You don't think so? Well, there could be, but you know what I mean? Like when they're playing teams, it's most likely going to be a seven or less, seven or fewer different, or they get blown out. It's just the way I they mean, play. That's an, inter- that's an interesting thought. I'm not, I mean, I don't know. 
if only because it seems like they've shown more of a more of a propensity at least to be able to create turnovers you know they have three in the first few games which is you know not bad but one of the things that's been a big takeaway is that they've given the ball away five times which is you know not so good and you know we talked about it in the preview one of the other big things in this game was that the running game just never really got it going so i mean we could talk about ganji who was you know 22 of 39 216 yards touchdown two interceptions but Kelton Moore was basically a non-factor. He only had five carries. He only had nine yards. They did give a little more playing time to Toa, Tua, uh, Toa Tawa and Devontae Lee. But, I mean, between the two of them, they only had 12 carries and 35 yards. So that's, that is, that's the biggest thing at this point. Like, if they mm-hmm. have to be one-dimensional in order to win games, that, I think, is going to be the bigger you know, sticking point for this team taking a step forward. Well, you're right, because – each guy had six carries, like the leading guys, and so yeah. it's 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 not like this was a game where it eventually got out of hand because it lost by thirty one points. But again, at seventeen ten at half, you're obviously still in the game. There's a few other things I'll get to in a second here, but like there, it was pretty close. You know what I mean? Like this wasn't a game where it was out of hand early on where they had to run. Yeah, they're down twenty to ten. Even at twenty to ten, okay, we got this. We're still in range. But then there's a touchdown within a minute, so it was twenty seven ten. Then they had to start passing. Yeah, that's what happens. It's like when you look at this, how the second half started for them, it was clearly not um, what you, what you want to see when you're go, when you're close game seventeen ten, and then they go out and score short short whatever they get the ball back quickly score with basically ten points in ninety seconds or just about, and that's ball game essentially when they're down that much and defense can't stop anybody. But interesting stat here, like they held Vanderbilt to four of twelve on third downs. It's pretty big deal. That's that's pretty good for this defense. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's definitely a positive. There's a couple of things. I'm trying to look for something here, but it's just the offense turned it over four times. They're minus two, and that's prob- a main reason they lost. Minus two in the passing game, it didn't put up 300-plus yards, which they kind of got to do to win games, I think. And run, guess, and run the ball, too. I guess running the ball, that's pretty big, too, right? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Any other thoughts? No, I think we're good. That's it's just a – like, we were pretty confident to win, but I'm just surprised at how they, it just didn't show up there, really, 41-10. Yeah. All right. Air Force, Florida Atlantic. Oh, man. So was this game on Facebook or CBS? Apparently it's a controversy on this or issues. The way it turned out, it was on Facebook, but it was produced by CBS Sports. See, I knew that CUSA was doing that in a bunch of games, but I never realized that was the case in this particular game. Everything I saw was CBS until we got some DMs from some people say, hey, wait a minute. But whatever, it was cool. You get to see it on Facebook. It's a good production as well. But I was just curious about that because we had mentioned CBS, so we apologize for that, folks. But, yeah, we'll be, our, our post blew up, so people found it, right? Because there was enough confusion confusion for people to read our stuff, so thank you for that. And, by the <laughs> way, between that and the Utah State game and those who were you know going from our preview what? to Hawaii. You know, to download the stadium app to watch the Hawaii game, Thank you guys for a big weekend. Hey, Stadium, want to help us out? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Just saying, a couple thousand views went your way. We No, it was a great day. We had our like our second biggest day ever, which is awesome. So, But that's for the game itself, not exactly as planned. 33-27, Florida Atlantic was victorious. There was a, wasn't there some sort of delay in this game, weather delay at the beginning also? There was. It was a lot of inclement weather, so there, there was uh, a delayed kickoff. Delayed kickoff. So here's the thing. My biggest thing I learned from this game, Air Force, throw against Air Force. Throw the ball as much as you can. <laughs> Don't even run the ball. Just throw it. 
Well, we knew kind of coming into this game that one of their biggest problems, and this is a multi-season problem at this point, is you know giving up big plays in the air. And it seemed like they just couldn't get a stop you know, against Chris Robeson to save their lives, especially in the first half. He was 12 of 13 after the first quarter for 81 yards and 21 of 24 for mm-hmm. 224 yards. And the score that they had right before halftime, I mean, it was kind of rough to watch, even though they did a fairly good job of containing Devin Singletary. You know, he only ended up with how many yards? I think it was 60, Not no, many. 57, 57 yards. He's supposed to be like this big, huge deal. Yeah, and his longest yard was, or his longest run, excuse me, was 36 yards. So, you know, if, maybe if you're a San Diego State fan, fan, you can you can feel Air Force's pain right here. <laughs> but, you know, give credit because they didn't have to give up, or I mean, they didn't have to, you know, stay in this game. They were down 19 to seven at, at halftime, but managed to kind of claw their way back into this game and make it really uncomfortable for them. They didn't really ever stop the passing game at all. Robeson ended up with 471 yards passing. But they needed every single one of those yards to kind of stay ahead of the Falcons because they came out and did their thing. And it was a surprise because it was Isaiah Sanders that was under center rather than Arian Worthman. That's right. We should mention that from the start. It was a uh, Was there a reason why that was the case? I wasn't able to find anything on that. I, I was very surprised by that fact, but you know we talked about in the preview, are they going to be able to answer the bell when it came to throwing the football? And in this case, yeah, he was 8 of 13. He did have an interception, but he also averaged over 20 yards per pass and had a touchdown. So in that case, you know that's a huge win. And the guys that we were talking about being able to make an impact on the ground, Cole Fagan came out. He averaged 5 yards per carry. He had 80 yards you know, Nolan Erickson averaged five and a half yards per carry. So the, eventually they were able to get it done with a balanced attack and really keep the Owls on their heels. And the defense stepped up too. You know, they ended up with nine tackles for loss. They didn't really break up very many passes, but they were able to force Florida Atlantic into a game that I'm not sure that they wanted to play down the stretch. And they almost came back and won it. it they were an onside kick away, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, actually, they did recover the last well, onside he, kick, but Sanders threw the interception that closed out the yeah, game. Yeah, here's the thing. They had the punt return for touchdown. Mm-hmm. The block, excuse me, block punt. Apologize. 33-27. They get the ball on the onside kick, and he said the interception. So they they had that chance there to get back in the game because there was a uh, – it's under a minute, so it's pretty tricky. Not Aaron Rodgers out there who just apparently had to come back tonight. Good for him. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, everybody at uh, Bedford's like, when does basketball season start now? After they give up a twenty to nothing lead, but there's a, another opportunity earlier in the game where it was twenty five twenty. Air Force gets a touchdown. I believe it's third quarter. They have a decent drive, seven plays, uh, three forty, sixty nine yards, get a touchdown, force a punt. Then they Air Force punts on their own three and out. Okay, that stinks. They give allow enough. They force FAU to punt again. It's like all right, they get a nice eight play drive deep in their own territory, get just past midfield. Had to punt the ball. So they had a couple, like probably three good chances to get this game. But they just could not get it done when they needed to. And then after that, they had like 11 play drive that ended in nothing when they were just got stalled again on fourth and 18. What are you going to do? You're, it's, so there was a, they had plenty of chances, I think, to make something happen. But also, one telling stat when they were 2 of 11 on third downs, that's, mm-hmm. that's going to kill you. And while FAU goes, it's solid 7 of 13. I mean, I think if there's a takeaway, it's that. 
you know, they proved that there's still going to be a headache for a lot of Mountain West teams. You know, because, you know, even though they didn't win the game, let's not forget, they did cover. Yeah, there that, you go. Count, that counts for something. Officially, um, Aaron Wortham was replaced. That's oh, what it says okay. Here. Looking at the recap from the uh, from Brett Brigham-in, Brigham-in, just saying he was replaced. Um, yeah, that's all. It was a week earlier, and I've been um, – yeah, that's all. I was just replaced. Nothing. It's going to be very interesting to see how that situation shakes out. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the issue there. So, And we saw him last year when he played um, – at the end of last year, when when uh, they replaced Worthman with uh, Isaiah, there it was a uh, Sanders. It was a uh, played played a pretty pretty big deal, pretty mm-hmm. well, I should say. Sorry, let me get my English correctly. Jeez, correct. Oh boy, this is a talking thing, right? Are we just talking out loud? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's what we're doing right now. Uh, but but you're right. FAU is also a pretty good team. Like yes, they got crushed by Oklahoma. Oklahoma is really good. So their Air Force probably would would not have been close, much closer either. So does their the Air Force is off next week. They're still one and one, so they're fine. We'll see how it goes. But if they switch the quarterback, maybe they want to do it to see how they do and get ready for the bye week. And he's the guy the rest away. I think either guy gives them a good chance to win. So it's, I don't see there's a huge difference. Maybe Sanders throws a bit better. Maybe that's what they're looking at because you, you said seven to thirteen. But next game is the next game Wyoming Missouri. Is that where we're going here? Unfortunately, yes. All right. So I had a new bowl rankings recently. Um, mm-hmm. Wyoming, you're out. <laughs> Sorry. The offense is kind of what we thought it would be. Terrible. The op- <laughs> the offense is struggling. And and, and I wonder how much that has to do now with the caliber of opponents that they played in non-conference play. I almost wonder if maybe it's a little bit deceptive because little, yeah. you know, and there are some common opponents that we'll talk about or that we have talked about. Because they looked really good against New Mexico State and then struggled a lot against Washington State and now against Missouri. They lost 40-13 to 13 and it didn't ever look really competitive. Well, common thread there, they both teams like to pass a lot. Drew Locke and, um, shoot, um, Washington State. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Yeah, sorry, I, think from, I was going to say somebody else. Like, no. But yeah, that's the thing. They were defense. How much is it true, do you think, with the defense that – like, here's the thing, the offense – the defense is given no chance. Like three plays fumble. They they force a missed field goal. Wyoming punts three and outs. Six plays punt. Three plays punt. Look at all these short drives. Five plays punt. Six plays punt. Look how many times they had they didn't have a double digit drive, I don't think, the entire game. I mean, I don't think so. No, I mean, they the did tell, not. The telling the telling thing to me is that in the first half they were outgained three hundred and seven yards to eighty four. Yeah, that too. But what I'm getting at too, it's like yeah, the defense gave up forty points, but the offense didn't do many favors. Favors when they go when they are out there for a couple plays. Defense does some good stuff, but then Missouri goes a seven play drive. They have a ten play drive, a nine play, twelve play drive. I don't care how good your defense is, you'll get worn down and tired. And that's kind of what happened in this game. There's kind of those final three drives. Yeah, Missouri missed a, a field goal. But then every play, out, they had a, like a 10, 9, 12 play drive where defense just kind of got, what, what are they going to do? Yeah, I mean, I think you know maybe you could make the case that it was a little disappointing that the front four wasn't able to create a lot of pressure because you know they didn't get any sacks and they only had two, or excuse me, three tackles for loss. But again, you know, when you're just getting picked apart through the air like that, and there's only there's only so much you can do when the other side of the ball isn't holding up, and you know for the second straight week, Tyler Vanderwall just 
didn't get it done. And maybe this is part of the learning experience of a, of a redshirt freshman under center. But he's going to have to do better than 13 of 28 for 160 yards if this team wants to get a chance at, a, at you know clawing their way back into your bowl picture, among other things. Yeah, but also here's the thing too: like Drew Locks could be an NFL quarterback pretty soon. He's pretty. That's good. true. And so, but there's, but but here's the thing: how many guys in Wyoming defense could be in the NFL? About half, about maybe four to six, possibly. You would and, think so. And they are 14 and 20 on third down. Come on, it's like. I'm not blaming it all. I know it's part of both, but Missouri's going to be probably better better than people thought. But they did Washington State. They held them pretty well for three plus quarters. It's I don't know. Maybe it's just bigger opponents the whole week. But these guys, like everybody says, how good they are on defense. They got to not that they don't got to show up. Like they do some decent things. But this game was you're right, not even close. Sixteen out to half. It's like I was kind of hoping like this game would be sort of close. Well, I mean, they put themselves under a lot of pressure just because they weren't doing what they needed to do, especially on early downs. And if you go back and look at those third downs, you know, what you'll see, especially early is they were putting Vanderwall into a lot of third and long situations like, you know, third and 11, third and nine, third and 14. And it never really let up throughout the game. Like three of the last four third down conversions that they had were nine, 10 and 14 yards. For an offense that strives to be balanced, you know they're going to have to get more production out of the running game. And even though they missed Nico Evans in this game, mm-hmm. you know they needed someone else to step up. And Javon Bigelow was, you know, he was fine. You know, he had 56 yards, but you know they just need a little bit more on on the ground game in order to really survive. So out of all their third downs, all but three were for four yards or less. Yeah, that's that's hard to overcome. Yeah, when you're, like I said, when you're again like, against any defense. Yeah, any like you mentioned those. I'm like, oh, let me scroll through where you're going. But yeah, they had a third and six, but outside of that, like three with four yards or fewer, it's like that's setting your setting yourself up to fail when you're offense and you don't have your starting running back, your quarterback's just okay and learning. You're on the road, so it's does this change too much of your opinion on Wyoming? I know it's super early still. They got Wofford next week. That should be fine. They got Boise State the week after. Or two weeks I mean, after I, that, so. I mean, I remember hearing from people that, you know, my my relatively lukewarm take on Wyoming, because if you recall, I had them finishing 6-6 six and six this year. Mm-hmm. And I heard about it from some Wyoming people. And, you know, if they underperform against good teams, but are good enough to beat up against bad teams, then I think ultimately where you end up is somewhere around 6-6. Six and six. So to answer your question, at the moment, No. I would say, you know, this is still not a moment to panic, even if they're suffering lopsided losses against Power 5 teams. Mm-hmm. The good thing is that I don't think there's any more Power 5 teams on the schedule. No. Boise State? No? Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe at this point, yeah. But here's the but thing. I mean, like, I, mean, if, I mean, if they struggle in the games that yeah. you would expect them to struggle, but are better in the games that you would expect them to be more competitive, then I think with you know, a seasoned defense and a young offense that's young in pretty much every aspect as a Wyoming fan, that may be all you can ask for in 2018. Here's the thing, their schedule. Oh boy. Really quick. I could mention Wofford. Okay. Host Boise. Go, then go to Hawaii. Then go to Fresno. Then host Utah state. It's an uphill climb. Yeah. And then depending what, what team CSU puts on the field, who knows? And well, yeah. well, I guess the way Mike Bobo coaches in rivalry games, it's a win. 
<laughs> I think they still have a chance to be competitive, but mm-hmm. they're going to have to fix the offense in a hurry. All right, should we get to Arkansas State and Colorado State? You mean Arkansas. Or I did it again. <laughs> By the way, fun fact. Oh, boy. This was the only game on the entire schedule this week that every single one of our staff members got wrong. <laughs> Everyone got wrong from everybody. Bowl. Everybody picked Arkansas. Even our two CSU guys had no faith. Everybody, in even that, yeah, that is everybody. <laughs> even Brad, even even Brad and Josh oh. bet against the Rams. Um, so we we're looking pretty good at that pick too early on. <laughs> the way Arkansas was uh was up because it was at one point. Uh, I'm trying to pull up it was back. twenty seven to nine. This one was twenty seven to nine. Um, so what happened? It was the, did the missed field goal really propel the Rams to win? <laughs> that late field goal where it was twenty-seven nine, then they score a touchdown, punt, for, score a touchdown, force a punt, force they forced like three drives of fire, five or fewer plays, and Arkansas had to punt the rest of the way. Well, I think what happened is the defense came out and played its best quarter of the year at, a, at a, when they absolutely needed it, and you know if you step back and look at the game as a whole, I think you could definitely say that. For 60 minutes, this was their best defensive performance of the year. And, you know, granted, there were still some things to work on because they did allow 299 yards on the ground. That's a lot. But I think it was a huge win for them that they were able to keep the Arkansas passing game in check because between the two quarterbacks, Ty Story and Cole Kelly, they only finished 11 of 22 and they only had 138 yards. Even though they did have the two touchdowns, it was the two critical Picks. interceptions that they had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My story. So, you know, granted, there are some things to work on, but the defense stepped up after a couple of weeks where, you know, it would have been really easy for the wheels to fall off. And almost fell off of this game, man. I'm just saying. Almost, yeah. And, and, and even with the offense, too. Like, Mike Bobo, he was, you know, messing around with Colin Hill again for some reason. I, yeah, I don't know. It's... It, I mean, the move just didn't work. But, you know, give credit to K.J. Carter-Samuels because he came out and, again, he rallied the troops in the second half. You know what I like about this? Preston Williams to make that diving catch at the end of the game. Get to the one-yard oh, line. Oh, yeah. That was a heads-up play. He came back, got the sliding ball, one-yard line. He's like, I'm reading some quotes. He's like, hey, I might as well catch the ball if he's getting hit every time because he got hurried, what, four times? I don't know how many times. Sat, just one sack. Mm-hmm. But he was getting harassed all day Carter Samuels Carter Samuels was nails in the fourth quarter he was 13 of 15 for 150 yards that's that's elite that is is there and he he finished with with 389 yards on the afternoon are we here's the thing about the Rams like what do we make of them because the Hawaii game and then the game um she's I remember last week it's a week who did play last week uh, Colorado. Uh, they oh, played yeah. Colorado. And Colorado looks pretty good. They beat one of the road to beat Nebraska. So mm-hmm. they maybe that we're overlooking that a little bit, but you only scored 13 points. And Arkansas is probably a fridge bowl team in the SEC, but they come to town. It's like, why? first off, like, why the heck are we going to freaking Fort Collins to play a Mountain West team? It's like, what is this nonsense? They go there, have a big lead. Could it have, seriously, could it have been just being altitude a little bit late in the game? You know, maybe. I don't that, know. That's always something. But, I think after I think after three games, this is my working theory about Colorado State right now. You have one. They're 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 kind of like the mirror images, the mirror image of Hawaii, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Because I think it seems fair to say that the Rams have a very capable offense, and you know a defense that 
you know, even after three games, even after the comeback, you know, and playing very well in the second half, I still think it's fair to say that they might be a little bit suspect. And, you know, when you look at this Hawaii team, you know, they're kind of the same way. They have a suspect defense and they have a, what looks to be a very good offense. It's just that the results have been kind of flipped between these two teams where Colorado State's been behind the eight ball more often than not, where and Hawaii has been able to get ahead and kind of survive despite uh, a shaky defense. So I think ultimately what you what you have, what you're going to get for the rest of the season I don't know. Is it an adventure? <laughs> because it seems like the kind of team where they might have to outscore teams to get ahead, in, especially in the Mountain Division. So let me ask you this. They play Colorado State. They go to Florida, who just lost to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Is that a, um, a disaster waiting to happen? <laughs> Hard to say. I mean, I think Colorado State's – I've seen enough of Colorado State to think that they still have a chance on the road. Just so you know, they're 19-point road dog. I mean, that seems high. <laughs> That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That seems like a lot of points right now. We'll see. Uh, but it's, I guess the pa- passing game, like Carter Samuels, yeah, last week was a kind of played terrible, but he's, I think he's the real real deal. I just don't want to see Coach Bobo just kind of jerk around, especially once Hill is healthy. Because here's the thing. Is he playing around with the redshirt role? Because, or is Colin Hill already redshirted once? I don't recall. I don't recall. Because he, he got hurt ACL before, too. Mm-hmm. But, so I, I'll disregard the comment, but it's like, why is he coming in for a few plays? Because, again, remember, it's late February, so it's March, April, May, June, July, August, for September. It's about seven months from his in- surgery or injury. So I still, I don't know. It's well, That's something to watch, but good for the Rams. Maybe they're back where they could be, where we thought earlier in the year, about six wins, seven wins possibly. But it's it's good to see them come back and not just have a deficit where they just kind of don't recover from or don't not that they're not trying but they didn't get blown out again that's a good thing like down the points they're down and then to come back and then not just they just got the victory and that's great and we were all wrong apparently we're all dead wrong <laughs> well and one of the other things that made a difference was you know not only did Preston Williams have another very big game 12 oh, yeah. catches 150 yards and two scores they got Cameron Butler back at tight end too and he's one of those guys that very quietly could make a huge difference for this offense and he certainly did against Arkansas. He finished with four catches, but he had 107 yards, including a 54-yarder. Yeah, and then you got him, Johnson, and then Kinsey had, from backfield caught four receptions. Mm-hmm. There could be something there. So maybe getting an extra weapon out there. And Obasai Johnson is usually pretty good. Obasai, excuse me, pretty well. So let's move on. Next game, is it your game now, Matt? Is it Fred, uh, Fred, Do we need to go to Fresno? Yes. So, yes. So the first part of this game was ugly. Because that depends on your perspective. Sure. Well, okay. Let me not say ugly. They were down, and the offense was not producing. Is that the for... offense was abysmal. Let's put okay. it that way. Was, was, it you, <laughs> was it you that tweeted out that Tim Druder's just chuckling and laughing somewhere? I was. Well, I, I what my exact quote was was grinning or nodding with grim familiarity. Him and Dave Shram. Yeah. <laughs> so it's oh man, it's I I made the remark that hey. This offense will be, like, percentage-wise, statistically better. Maybe Minnesota's defense is really good. I don't know. But when the offense has six plays of punt, an interception, they punt every time in the first half, they're not moving the ball, defense did fine. Within 10-0, they did fine, right? I guess defense did reasonably well in the first half. Get up 10 points, that's that's fine. But then, geez, how did you watch this game in the second half, Matt? 
Punt, 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 fumble. <laughs> I have no idea what the offense was doing for like three quarters. It was really infuriating to watch because they were getting cute in instances where they really should not have. You know, there was, I forget, I think it was in the third quarter. You know, they had fairly good field position. And then for some reason they call an end around. <laughs> That, Why that goes not? Back, that goes backwards for five yards. Is, it it, was, is Andy Lugwood calling place for right now? Jeez. <laughs> don't, don't I? Yeah. You wish you had but, Andy you know, it, was, but it was little. It was little things like that, or just the fact that they were, for some reason, they were running Josh Hokett, you know, north and south, rather, or east and west, rather, than north and south. You know, Hokett's a guy who punishes defensive linemen in the trenches, and for whatever reason, they were, you know, running stretch plays with him and you know Marcus McMarion just wasn't getting it done for the better part of three quarters you know he had a really brutal interception in the first half when it looked like the offense was you know, getting things together he threw an interception against his body but you know to the you know to the Bulldogs credit the defense played extremely well because you know even though Minnesota had like one good drive in the first half on the whole, this defense gave them every opportunity to not only stay in this game, but to win it. You know, Zach Anikstad only finished 16 of 26 for 175 yards. And after Rodney Smith was knocked out, he only managed a carry before he was lost injury. The two guys that replaced him averaged right around three yards carry. So, they were slowing down the Gophers' offense as about as, as about as much as they yeah. could, but it wasn't until the fourth quarter that they were able to do anything about it. I joke, but look at this second half. Like, they're Minnesota's possession: three, 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 four plays fumble. Like that's their first four possessions of the second half. It's just the offense yeah. was just mirroring that essentially. Yeah, and then you know, their first scoring drive was set up by the defense. Yeah, fumble. It was, uh, you know, Tank Kelly with the fumble. Uh, I think it was Tyler Johnson that had the fumble. And then they, what was it, a play yeah. action to Jared Rice in the back of the end zone. That was exactly the kind of play that they should have been doing all along. And then their second scoring drive, which gave them the lead in the fourth quarter, was a huge catch and run by Keyshawn Johnson, who... I don't think it was any fault of his own, but he disappeared for huge stretches of this game. Even though he finished with six catches for 89 yards, mm -hmm. it wasn't really until that last scoring drive that he had any kind of significant impact. And then, of course, you know, did you get a chance to watch that last drive? I should have. I did not. What was your, You tell me how, how it went down. So what everybody's talking about is the very last play that they had. And if you haven't read the recap of my game, you can find it there. I should thing, maybe I should read our stuff you put up there, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> this weekend, sorry, this week I was super busy, so I missed a ton of what I normally would watch. So, first and goal at the four. I'll watch it right now as you tell me about this. <laughs> so if if you didn't watch it, Fresno has first and goal at the four. Pretty with, close. That's pretty close, right? The fourth with, four yard line <laughs> with 90 seconds left, and it's a it's a gutsy play call. It's super ballsy. They run a halfback pass to Josh Hokett. Who are they, Boise State? <laughs> but here's the thing. Minnesota got pressure on him a lot faster than I think anybody anticipated. Like somebody on that defense read it. I forget exactly who. And it forced Hokett to throw 
you know, it forced him to underthrow Jared Rice in the back of the end zone. Because if you go back and look at it, you know, the split second reaction that I had was that Rice was open. And with, you know, just a little more oomph on that pass, Fresno State's able to tie this game or go mm. for the win if they want to. But, you know, credit the Gophers because not only did they get pressure on him, but Antoine Winfield was able to recover. There was like, I think, three or four yards between him. He was so or, open. Throw it higher. He's so open. Oh, That's the my thing. goodness. He just, he just oh. didn't have enough arm behind it. And it was the kind of play that they ran multiple times <laughs> oh. last year. And it was very successful. And so, you know, there were a lot of people who hated the play call. It worked. I, I liked it. It would have worked. There if, was enough time to make that a throw. Little, yeah. I, here's what I'm saying. I watched the play again because if you watch the cover, the blitz that cover the defense, whoever was the pulling offensive lineman whiffs on whoever he's supposed to guard. Mm-hmm. If he even just clips him in the shoulder, he has enough time to make that pass because the whole gets off his back foot. Give him that tenth, half his tenth a second, two tenths of a second, just lob it up there. It's a touchdown. Jeez, I feel your pain, Matt. I mean, it's one of those things that they're going to want to want back. Yeah. I know, because here's the thing. If they do a play-action play, that guy's still coming through. Maybe the Hulk gets the guy who comes open. That play could still be there, but you don't know. And But my big my big takeaway is, what does it say about Marcus McMarion? You don't give him the ball? They, that, they, that they took the ball out of his hands. Uh, you know when they get to crunch time like that because to his credit you know in the fourth quarter he was eight of 11 for 111 yards you know he had those two long critical drives that gave them the lead and i I saw other people arguing that that's the kind of play the halfback pass that is that you would want to call on a later down like third down once you give yourself a chance to kind of go for the end zone in a more traditional way but do you the, think there's any significance there? Because I've been kind of grappling with that for the last 24 hours. So this was I, a second down. I don't know. Was no, this, this was a it was a first down play. You catch him off guard doing that too on first down. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I, I was just trying to shrinks. figure out whether there was any a deeper meaning to the fact that they huh. took the ball out of McMarion's hands. Maybe a lot. No, I think that that's something to say. Because here's what they're thinking. Typically in those plays, if the guy's not open, you throw it out of bounds. That's so, true. so you have second, third, and fourth down. You have three more chances. You don't expect it to be intercepted like that. That's true. And so that's the thing where maybe – but there is. You have your best guy. And here's another part of the thing about too. Um, your best – McMarion, he's throwing very well. Yeah, you normally – like, example, I watched the Packers just now. that Rodgers crushed the Bears' dreams two times in a row, essentially, end of this mm-hmm. game. And, yes, you want to give him the you want him the ball. Are they ever going to give it to Jamal Williams or running back into a half-back pass? Probably not. And not, not that situation. It just tells me a couple things. He's not – not that he's not trusted, but he's not an elite, elite, elite 1% quarterback. Very few people are. And so it's a couple things. Maybe they overthought themselves because, hey, let's do this play. They know he's doing well. They'll expect him to throw. And I don't know. It's You can see both sides, but I think at first down it's a gamble. It, 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 here's the thing. It's always a gamble if you have somebody that's not a quarterback throwing the ball. There's always bad things that can happen. I, mm-hmm. I'm not against the play because the play worked. Had the lineman just touched the guy with like a hand, a pinky, pushed him off half of like a, a 10-degree turn, you know what I mean? just, just breathe on him and push him out of the way a tiny bit, that would have been a touchdown. It's, yeah. it, it was a fine play to do. It wasn't anything that McMarion did wrong, Hokett or the receiver. It was the guy on the line who didn't touch the guy who had a clear shot at the running back. 
Yeah. That's what it is. The play was. Oh, I love like, the, I love this stupid game, <laughs> and I and I hate it so much sometimes. Hey, I hear it. Utah nearly lost to Northern Illinois. That's true. And I'm like, what the? I can't let's tell... let's let's go ahead and move on before I start getting upset again. Okay, is a Utah State um, game we're going to the face face to Facebook? Uh, yeah, the beatdown in Logan. Special teams for the win, right? Good good lord, Aggies, <laughs> and and that could go either way because. <laughs> Because 60 I mean, points. yeah, Utah 60. State showed up, and New Mexico State, woof. they did not. And what, remember Romero three picks. You had Jordan Love have a like Jordan Love just was yeah, wasn't even great. He was okay, not even okay. He but didn't he, need to be. No, you had Gerald Bright, the JUCO transfer, finally showed up a fifty-one yarder, Thompson sixty-eight yarder, two touchdowns. Those two guys almost had uh, two hundred fifty yards between the two. Even El Toro Allen had a touchdown run. Good, congratulations, El Toro. But here's the thing, too. This game could have been a lot worse. Wasn't it six field goals? There were six field goals. There could have been a lot Dom, more Dominic Eberle, I, uh, if I remember correctly, he tied the NCAA record for most kicking points in a game. This game could have been 80 points. No joke. Just saying. It probably could have. Because how many turnovers did they have? I know Love had an interception. Did they have any fumbles, too? Uh, let me look and see here. Turnover margin. Yeah, they were plus uh, they three. Did, they did uh they five. did have a. They did lose a fumble as well. Five to two. So, jeez. But yeah, they they <laughs> field goal. They had so many field goals in this game. It's ridiculous. And there are some. Some weren't very close, but those fifty-yard field goals, man. Jeez, he's nailing it. He if he's on, he he better be special teams player of the week. I'm just saying. National. Are you? Ref- yeah. You're, well, uh, I think if you're a Utah State fan, you can make an argument for a couple of guys because not only did Everly kick six field goals, save on Scarver. That dude is fast. Yeah. And he had a hundred-yard kick return for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Also, the, like their kicker, he's like everybody here in Utah is like University of Utah has a guy, Matt Guy, who's amazing, first-team All-American. Well, I guess he's right behind him. Utah State kicker is right there with That's him. That's true. It's like one of the best kickers in the country. And so, SI, whoever put a kicker, not Utah, Utah State, at number one hundred player, get out of my face. That was ridiculous. <laughs> Just put a kicker in general, and it's not one of these two guys. So Utah, this is like I believe this is the most points they've had. In years. I don't know when. I'm just kind of saying that. But I'm pretty sure it's most points in years. And this is a bigger beatdown as we compare opponents a little bit. Well, I mean, only put up, what, 27 and looked dominant. Where did you put Utah State? Have you done your power poll this week, Matt? I have. And I wish I had taken a screenshot. I'm pretty sure I put them fourth. Fourth? I think so. Did you vote quickly or later in the day? I, I voted pretty quickly in the day. Let me see because I'll, I'll pull up the rankings here. But I put... I went with Hawaii third, second, just be, not because of three and zero, but they are three and zero. That's a big deal for me. So really quick, we got our pull up. Oh, a lot of people voted today. Thank you for voting quickly, our friends here. Um, you didn't put happen to put San Diego State second, did you? Was that you? That was not me. Okay, <laughs> I see. Um, you probably voted. I voted first or second. Um, ooh, I don't know where you voted. Maybe well, whatever. I'm I like, think mine was the one where I put Fresno State second. You have Hawaii fifth, or Utah State fifth. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. Okay, all right. We will, okay, so we went, uh, just a heads up, it's going to be unanimous number one this week, as it should be. Just say it. <laughs> Boise yeah, State's rolling yeah. through for almost everybody who's voted. So after that, it is all over the place. We have a CSU second place, a Fresno, a Hawaii, a San Diego State. So, Well, yeah. let's, answer, let's answer a question that came up when we were scavenging for questions ahead of this podcast. Are, are Utah scavenging. State guy Logan Jones – 
wanted to know if we thought that Dominic Everly was already the best kicker in Mountain West history. Ooh. There's a guy I like. Luis Dakota's pretty good years ago. He's clutch for University of Utah. Mm-hmm. E- extremely clutch. So I'm biased because I'm a Utah guy, but every time it came down to kicks, he would on the road at Michigan, coming back versus Oregon State. He was kick, 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 and just never missed. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. My answer is not yet. Yeah. Because it's even early. at the moment, he's he might not even be the best kicker in the Mountain West right oh. now. And that? I only and I only say that because I'm thinking about it in terms of what people have done, not only in one week, but just in their career. And so I went to Sports Reference because I wanted to make sure I had a, a more complete answer for this. Right now, Dominic Eberle, I don't, I think it had included his six field goals, but his field goal percentage was about 78 percent. And among kickers in the conference who have had at least 50 attempts, that would only rank sixth just ahead of Wyatt Bryan and you know assuming he can you know continue that same pace you know he'll probably end up in the top five as far as accuracy but you know top five is not number one and you mentioned Louis Sakota he's number two all time in the conference he was 57 of 66 for his career that's 86 percent he was pretty good and you know, San Diego State fans will point to the fact that John Barron is the most accurate kicker in the conference right now, and they would be right because his, I believe it's around 85%. He hasn't made the, that 50 field goal cut yet either. Also, so I would, say, I would say Eberly has a chance, but, you know, he's got to put some work in because, you know, Sakota was an All-American kicker, mm-hmm. but he wasn't the only one in the Mountain West. The year before that, John Sullivan from New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. He was pretty good that year. So... Was this a makeup because um, Everly was two of six last year in the Arizona Bowl? <laughs> it cost him the game. It was definitely a redemption <laughs> performance. But let's also give a shout out to Tipa Galiai. That guy was a beast on defense, and and I and I say that even knowing that the Aggies had twelve tackles for loss and five sacks against New Mexico State. But that dude. The more I looked at him, the more I looked like he's an all-conference caliber performer. No, you're definitely true. This defense is like, okay, it is New Mexico State, so take that for what it's worth. They're not very good offensively. But still, what they did, like him and, like, look at these guys. Like, look how many sacks in TFL. They had five TF five sacks and 12 TFLs. Jeez, mm-hmm. four QB hurries. Does this – um? so let me ask you this. We had talked about the kicker thing. Is it Utah State? They play no, Tennessee Tech, Air Force. Are they going to actually challenge Boise this year, end of the year? I mean, I think that we were both in agreement before the season started that they would be in the mix. So I really haven't seen anything through the first couple of games to to say otherwise. I'd say they're better than I thought because I don't think I put them number two. I think I had for some reason Wyoming, but that was a foolish moment. I'm just glad the offense is showing up because that was always the concern I've had the past couple of years. Yeah, running games there seems to be there. Jordan Love, even though this game wasn't great, he did. Okay. He's been fine. He's the guy. So good stuff. All right, let's move on to uh, where are we going next here? UTEP and UNLV Rebels running all over the the Biners, fifty two to twenty four. Thank you, Rebels, for showing up and having Lexington Thomas, Armani Rogers, Charles Williams at the big game comeback from injury, eighty yards. Also, UTEP's one of the worst teams in the country, so. You, I'll say it again. 
UTEP might be the worst team in the country. Do we need to do a uh, – no, a San Jose State. You think, cause, you know, so can we get a UTEP-San Jose State 13, 13 game? <laughs> ah, I don't know. Would anybody want to watch that? It is football. I mean, did you look at this drive chart from this game? Um, actually, no. Let me pull it up here. What, um, well, I'll, I'll just I'll – just I got it, it now, but go for quick. it. What do we got here? Touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. <laughs> A lot of touchdowns in there, and and it wasn't there weren't a lot of cheap touchdowns either. You know, I think what four of the seven touch, no, four of the six touchdowns were at least seventy five yard drives or better, and that's a credit to that running game because you mentioned all those guys and they ran for a, as a team they ran for four hundred and fourteen yards. Who are they? Air Force, Army? No, they're just the running rebels. <laughs> exactly. And- like the passing game didn't need to be there, six to thirteen, but still, how was this awesome? Three touchdowns, six completions. <laughs> well, and the defense, you know, did exactly what you would expect them to do against an offense like UTEP. You know, they had six tackles for loss. Gabe McCoy had a pretty big game. He had two tackles for loss and a sack. You know, they forced a couple of fumbles. They had an interception. They did everything right in this game, and I mean, I feel bad for UTEP, but. <laughs> You know, a win's a win, and UNLV is going to take that to the bank. As they should. But I guess the small concern, they gave a good amount of rushing yards to a quarterback. And at 24 points, eh, that's fine for them. But that's the only thing if I'm looking at something weird. Just say, hey, careful. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But that's fine. Let's move on. Is it San Jose State, Washington State next? We kind of just glossed through real quick. Well, not not yet. we got to go to San Diego State first. Oh, we do? Do we have to? We have to. Okay, so... I wish I had been able to see this game. Yeah, me too. It's a one of the weird, not even streaming them out with Network games. And maybe it should have because it's close. Sac State, 14. San Diego State, 28. Uh, Christian Chapman, quarterback, goes down with an injury. Ryan Agnew, who's been the quarterback in waiting forever, can never surpass Chapman. Should why is the quarterback in waiting with two interceptions? <laughs> but thank goodness there's Jawan Washington. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I think... You know, between the first two games, he's definitely shown that he can handle that running back one workload. 36 carries, 156 yards, three touchdowns. There you go. Um, so I'm trying to see, like, hey, I was not correct. I was not wrong. The air show was why there was 45,000 people at this game. <laughs> um. And so I guess it's back. It's a back injury. I don't. I haven't seen an update on this yet. But I believe in uh, in our guy Ted's recap. It was a it was a sprain of some kind. Oh, because I'm looking here. I looked at that. I was also looking at the Union Tribune. I thought it said a back thing. Oh, there. Oh, sorry. There it is. Left knee sprain. Correct. I just. Oh, he's hitting the back. I apologize. I'm reading that pro- improperly. So hit. I, I don't know. Hitting the back. Whatever. That's weird. Written. But it says a left knee sprain, which doesn't seem all that bad. But um, okay. I'm calling BS on this um, quote right here from Rocky Long. When asked for an update after the game, Rocky Long says, the doctor wouldn't tell me. Oh, I don't believe that. It goes on to say, he said he doesn't know for sure. So he did tell you something. He's going to wait till he gets MRI on Sunday, and after that he reads MRI. We'll know exactly what's up. But don't tell me the doctor wouldn't tell me. He told you something. <laughs> yeah, you would think. You can just say, hey. We need an MRI on Monday. He's not sure just by looking at it. We'll let you know that. Don't say he doctor wouldn't tell me. Then he goes on to tell me what the doctor said. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Rocky, how, do the CD is meds for the evening? Is this a late game or something? 
just saying he's been he's up up there in age so um uh, i was just a cut block that's what it was yeah cut block where he got hurt but uh well okay so let's prognosticate for a moment yeah because when you go back and look at what chapman did in this game you know he was a, a little bit uneven he was only six of 11 but he did have 112 yards so but not which par for the course Sorry. But, you know, they had more big plays in the first half than I think anybody would have expected. You know, they're, they only had four different guys catch a pass in the first half, but each of them had a long of at least 16 yards. You know, Ethan Dedeau had a 27-yard catch. Mm-hmm. Cahill Waring had a 26-yard catch. He had three for 73. And after halftime, you know, Agnew, he was – he ended up okay. He was 11 of 17, but he had two interceptions. Yeah which really prevented the Aztecs from running away with this game. So if Chapman is out for an extended period of time, like I know that we know who he is at this point, he, but, he, what sh- it, but should you be concerned yeah. if he's out for an extended period yeah. of time? Yeah, because what Chapman does is he doesn't turn the ball over. And Agnew, seriously, he's been the guy who's supposed to be the guy quarterback since he arrived on campus years ago, and he can never beat anybody out to be the – remember they had to bring on the punt guy like last year with Chapman was hurt just to give guys snaps? Like, mm-hmm. Agnew struggled in spring practice during that time. So he's been there. He, okay, for him, the positives, he's been there for a while, a junior. But he hasn't been able to do anything to prove he should be anything more than what he is at the moment. Maybe he, maybe he's a guy who just plays well in games. But he didn't in this game. He had two picks, so I can't really say that either. Maybe if he gets a week of practice, he does something. But I'm concerned because, like we said, Chapman's a guy, like I joked with the earlier start with the uh, Austin Hornibrook thing where – his numbers aren't always great, but there's drives like we've seen him beat, beating Stanford, going going that long drive versus Wyoming. He can do when they need him to do it. He'll do it. It's just not often where he's going to throw thirty plus times a game after three hundred fifty yards. It's and just, it seems like, and it seemed like the defense. It, uh, and this is a lot. It seems like the box score strikes me as a lot being a lot like the Fresno State Minnesota game. The defense did its part. Yeah, because the two touchdown drives that Sacramento State had were basically the only offense they had all game long. You know, they had five tackles for loss. They had three sacks. And, you know, and everybody contributed. So, I mean, I think the defense will be able to keep them in games. But, you know, when you look ahead to the rest of their non-conference schedule, Eastern Michigan just went out and beat a Big Ten team. Uh, in They beat Purdue, right? Oh, I missed that. I, I didn't see that. Good for Eastern Michigan. Well, Eastern Michigan beat Purdue, who should be pretty good, I think, all things considered. Yeah, Jeff and. Arizona State just went out and and finished what Utah State started by beating Michigan State. So if Chapman is out, you know, we we kind of know his strengths and his weaknesses, but with, you know, that they're going to have to be ready if he's out for that long. Yeah, they play both those teams back to back to host Arizona State then host Eastern Michigan. So it's going to be something to watch in the weeks to come. Let's just say Michigan State, sorry, you're not very good this year. See ya. Yeah, because maybe Arizona State's good, but it's like we joked to Herm Edwards saying he apparently got something done. So I, I don't know. It's still funny to hire Herm. So, all right. So let's. Uh, what what do we got next year? We got uh, Boise State sixty-two, UConn seven. <laughs> How many records did they set on offense? Uh, at least one. Eight hundred and eighteen yards of total offense. Okay. Serious question. Was this speak to? up one up UCF I mean I don't think Brian Harson or anybody on that team would ever out come out and say it but I think subconsciously probably because what was that score they put up what 40 something points 50 points I think let me pull it up real quick 
But regardless, okay, it's 56-17 <laughs> for the UConn versus UCF. They've given up, given up a, over 100 points in, two, in only two games. <laughs> they just they just blitzed poor UConn. And, and watching that game, like, you know, yeah, it was only UConn, but I couldn't help thinking, like, this is the best team in the group of five. And anybody who's arguing for UCF at this point is just an idiot. Oh, I thought we were going to go there this week. <laughs> no, we're going there every. I mean, you can um, you can stay out of it if you want. No, I no, I, I like to lean into it as well. I'm just, I will, I will, I will lead the charge on this one. But I, UCF is good though, right? They're a good team. They're good, but Mackenzie Milton just threw three ints against a, an FCS team. So you tell me. Well, they won thirty eight nothing. Yeah. But you're right. He. No, that's no, that's fair. That's a fair point. I but don't they, know. Okay, but you, but you know what UCF didn't do? They didn't contain David Pindell like Boise State did, because you know we talked about the fact that he's a dual threat guy. Well, he only had forty yards on the ground, and he only completed less than fifty percent of his passes for seventy-one yards and his touchdown. Yeah, he had over four hundred combined and two touchdowns versus and, UCF. And even though, you know, the disruptive plays don't really jump off the stat sheet, you know, they only had four tackles for loss. I'm trying to look up how many offensive plays the Huskies actually had. They only ran 46 plays on offense. Yeah, and also, Mo would even suit up and play either. It's like, geez, imagine if he and neither, played. And if I remember correctly, neither did Tyson Maeva. I think you're right. Yeah, a couple guys didn't play. This game, like, it, I know it's too early to say, we'll know next week because they play Oklahoma State. They're currently, even though Boise's ranked higher, Three and a half point underdog on the road, so um, that'll be the game next week. Like this game, it's Boise hasn't done that since they've been in a whack beating teams this bad. Like Troy probably could win the Sun Belt this year; they're gonna be pretty good. Yeah, UConn's mm-hmm. awful, but they put up fifty six points on a Troy team who's always usually nine nine wins minimum typically. Yeah, so yeah, it's Sun Belt, but they're always usually good. And well, I was gonna say see what Troy did. They beat FAMU, but whatever, fifty nine seven as you should. They go to Nebraska next week and stuff, but like, it is too early to say how good this team is. But Boise is already in the top twenty, seventeenth, I think, and nineteenth in the polls. They, they leapfrog UCF in the AP poll because they're behind well, by one spot. So it's well, what they've done in the first couple of weeks is, to me at least, what I expected them to do coming out the gate in non-conference play last year, where you know they have a fully healthy Alexander Madison for one. True. And he went over 100 yards. He had 115 yards and two touchdowns. And Brett Rippon is playing like the number one player in the entire conference. You know what that and does? He, hey, we picked him number one, and then you don't have stupid Montel Cozart coming in every now and then because whatever Brian Harson and Zach Hill were doing last year were just a bunch of dummies. I'll say and, it. And Brett Rippon came out yesterday and went 21 of 28 for 362 yards and three touchdowns. That's no big deal. So ESPN FPI, Boise State, after that victory – Rose 7% chance higher to make the playoff. They're a 9% chance team to make the playoff at the moment. Well, I mean, we we both mentioned that they were they they climbed to 17 in the AP poll, is that right? I believe they're 7 I can double check, but they're up pretty high. They moved up both polls, yeah. I've I've argued all along that that's where they should have started. Yeah, I'd say maybe 20 to the lowest probably would have been the lowest you should put, you could say, "Oh, maybe put them there." But it's, we know why that is. It's because, oh, they're Boise State. They don't play anybody good. They're never great. They're currently, just really quick, um, cause I should, I should, maybe we should keep track of this. I'll talk to our Boise guys because Raj and Eric and those guys and Colin do great stuff. They're sitting at a 15% chance of winning the winning out. 
68.9% to uh, win the conference. They are currently at... Uh, I wish I had a better FPI breakdown. I want the whole country. Maybe I'll look at that later and do a post or something. But 9% chance, just really quick, where that kind of stands amongst everybody else. Georgia shot up huge to like 20 extra per- 22%. They're basically, mm-hmm. they're basically a coin flip to make the playoff. I don't know why Oklahoma might change with their running back being out because he's gone for the year now. Um, Michigan State still given a 1% chance. But you have like really quick Washington 11, Auburn 10, Notre Dame still at 23, but they are dro- huge droppers on this. Um, I don't know, Penn State. It, this is just risers, risers and falls. I'm trying to find the whole thing. But, hey, give me a 1 in 10 chance to make the playoff. I'll take that, right? Absolutely. Just about. I mean, that's better than I think – any group of five teams is going to see in a long time. Oh, and by the way, where's, where's UCF on that list? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Just say. But Sorry, oh, continue. by the but by the way, Boise State is also up to number five in S and P Plus as well. That's pretty good. How is um? Let me guess though. But real quick, Boise's fifteen FPI. I happen to have that up just because. How mm-hmm. are, how is Michigan State number fourteen FPI? I have no idea. They have FPI is weird, but Boise, yeah, fifteen FPI. I, I don't know the differences too much between FPI and uh, all that stuff and the S and P plus. But I'm looking for, I'll look for us later. But I wonder where the guy because there's just a screenshot of a guy who tweeted out like here's the playoff updates. I'll look at that because when you go to the full ESPN Power Index, they have like remaining SEO or SOS, excuse me, win percentage out, win probability. Then so yeah, we'll see. I'll look at that further. But that's uh yeah. They did what they did. They crushed the team, and then they go on the road to Oklahoma State, who is, like I said, they're three-and-a-half-point favorite in that game at home, which is probably what they should be because they're at home. They're ranked. This is probably the, – That's the game of the month. But it's not a – yeah, but shouldn't this like be game day? Why are they going somewhere else this weekend? Oh, who knows? They got an excuse for everything. Do we? Where do they say they're going? Do we have that in front? Because I'd like to see that real quick if we did. I do not know. Um Dang it, I want to find out. You got Stanford. Is they going back to the, Oh, it's LSU Auburn, which okay, that's fine. That's well, a better Whatever. They can go there anytime. <laughs> they could. Hey, it's a top twelve matchup, man. Come on. Yeah, whatever. I'm SEC. Just, I'm just saying that's 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 it's better than what it could be sometimes for Dissy and these teams, right? LSU's gonna lose like three games and we're all gonna wonder why they were in the top ten. <laughs> Are they Texas? <laughs> yeah. Did you see real quick? Um somebody had to admit because game day was at Texas A and M. They had you see the sign about the dissolving Texas logo? I did. That was great. That's very good. <laughs> that was one of the better signs. I'm like, oh, excellent. All right, so let's move on. There ain't nothing else to say. They crushed them. This game, it's been announced next week, a what, 11, 15 a.m. Pacific ESPN game. So that's a pretty good spot for them. So, yeah. All right, next, what's, what do we got here? Um, the um, Washington State 31, San Jose State nothing. Oh, that's right. I was scrolling down to see. I don't know. Montel Aaron played most of the game, right? That's he started, so he did. Tyler Nevin still not playing injury, but Minshew. What are we gonna say? Four hundred plus yards, three touchdowns, two picks. This game was over in the first half when it was twenty-four nothing. Yeah, they were just dropping bombs in the passing game on this team. They ended boom, up boom, with boom. <laughs> Washington State ended up with twelve plays of over fifteen yards <laughs> through the air. Uh, how bad is San Jose State? pretty bad i mean i mean we could keep this real short but i i just i don't know how this team is going to turn it around winless i'm calling right now winless you think so well here's the real quick oh we'll bust their schedule and move on at oregon they're already a 40 point dog host hawaii even though geez i'm sorry warriors for predicting that as you're not going your way um csu at home 
Army at home at San Diego State. UNLV at home. UNLV at home at Utah State. Host Nevada. Maybe Nevada if something weird happens at Fresno. Like the most winnable game is hosting Nevada. I think. I mean, I don't know. And even because... then, I'm like, that's no, no. Because, I mean, in the opener, we saw the offense come to life and the defense buckle down a little bit. Dude, and then you're playing UC Davis and FCS school. Come on. Oh, I know that. <laughs> I'm just saying. But then but then to, like, go out in the first quarter against Washington State and get outgained 197-7. to seven, Yeah. It's just – and then by the end of the first half to be outgained 316-23, to 23, that – like, what is that? Here's the thing. I'm looking at FPI again. They're the game they're supposed to. I guess he's updated. I'm assuming they're updated because they have the loss from Washington State. They're giving them the, the best chance to win a game is hosting Hawaii at 45%. There's no way that game's like a coin flip. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, losing Tyler Nevins could not have been that significant, but the offense, the running game was just kind of non existent. Malik Roberson had 12 carries for 33 yards. Yeah. And Montel Aaron got sacked, what, seven times? Too many. Five times. It's just, I don't know where this team goes from here. It's because okay. it's, it's certainly not going to get any better against Oregon. No, they're not going to beat Oregon. They're, I, I don't know. We don't need to run through all this, but there, there's nothing they there. Did, they did cover. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess let's, I guess let's see. Um, we, if you want to do that, I guess we could play that game to help. No, I mean, maybe we could do that later we'll off put, the air. No, no, I mean, we'll put that in our picks every week. That's what I'm saying when we make picks. All right, let's move on. Final game, Rice versus Hawaii. Go Bows. Okay, here's the thing. Should we, I, I'm calling right now. I'm going to get a hold of some guys. We're going to make a Throw Bows t-shirt. That has to be done, right? Nice. These are the Throw Bows, B-O-W-S. Cole McDonald is the second best quarterback. I need to do my QB rankings. I have not done them in a week and a half because my Saturdays have been nuts and my week has been nuts, but this week they're back. 318 yards, four touchdowns, 66% completion percentage. I want to propose a nickname for Cole McDonald. Ooh, what do you got here? I think his nickname should be Clean. Clean Cole? <laughs> Clean Cole McDonald. <laughs> okay, that's not bad. That's, pre- that's pretty good. That's solid. Because he's so clean throwing the football. <laughs> he has no interceptions this year. He has 13 touchdowns. I put it out earlier on Twitter, but you know the record for touchdown passes in a year is 50, and that was when De- Derek Carr had it back in 2013. What, NCAA record? FBS record? No, it's just the conference record. Oh, oh sorry, conference, okay. But if, if McDonald throws as many attempts as Carr did in 2013 this year. With the pace that he's on right now, he's going to end up with 78 touchdowns. <laughs> and zero interceptions. And zero interceptions. <laughs> but, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even just him in this game, too. Like, the re, the, the running game bounced back. Fred Freddie Holly the third had 100 yards and two touchdowns. Can we call him Hollywood? Clean call in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but we'll... We'll petition our, our listeners on that one. Let, let us know what you think on, on Twitter at MWC Wire. But, you know, the offense stepped up and the defense stepped up too. I think, you know, we've talked about how that's been kind of their biggest Achilles heel thus far, even though they're outscoring everybody. Through three games, they're still giving up over seven yards of play. But in this game, they held Rice pretty much in check for long enough to run away with it. You know, the the Owls only ended up with what? I think 481 yards of offense, which doesn't sound great. But they did take a step forward in allowing 
or excuse me, 446. I was looking at the wrong one, mm-hmm. but they only allowed about six yards per play. It was 6.2, and that is a step in the right direction. Yeah, and like like Hawaii's defense is still concerned though. Like yeah, yes and no. 29 points. I mean, it's it, part of it is the offense to run too. If they if they can do because running shoots not always just mean fast tempo, but they're prone for big plays. Mm-hmm. Like they had seven, yeah, a couple seven play touchdown drives, eight plays. Maybe not this game, but. Some of it is be they score so many points, defense goes back out there. Like the second half, they had this four play touchdown. Let's see, uh, five play touchdown, whatever. Oh, the one play that's in the game, a forty nine yarder, forty six yarder. Excuse me, the run by Holly. So that's a little bit to that, but Rice isn't very good either. So, but I mean, it it could have been more lopsided too because Rice had four fumbles but only lost one of yeah, them. I saw that, yeah. And so, you know, those, there. those vagaries of fumble luck kind of played in Rice's favor. Well, also, Hawaii lost two. You know what I mean? They could have the same thing. That's true. So, but I mean, I mean, let's not let's give credit to the defense because oh, yeah, mm-hmm. there was a couple, there was a few long Rice drives, but then at the same time, the, the, uh, I'm trying to remember when it was. I think it was early in the second half. They had a goal line stand, which eventually turned into a safety so that was a little bit strange (laughs) but you know they had opportunities to stop rice and they did that was one of the things that i pointed to in my preview is like when they're within like the 20 to the excuse me the 40 to the 20 can they make stops and there were at least a couple instances in this game where they were able to do that you know they had the goal line stand and they had at least one or two other drives where they stopped them you know, and they held them to field goals or they just were able to turn them over on downs. And that, I think, represents an improvement, you know, for a team that looked like they would just have to win track meets in the first couple of games. You know, if they can keep that up against Army and especially against San Jose State, you know, you've been talking up the bandwagon of, you know, 6-0 or hey, beyond. I, I said that after they won the first game. That could be a oh, possibility. I know. Oh, I know. I'm just saying. I need, but, like, to get, I need to write my piece and do it right now because I – been on the Hawaii bandwagon after week one. But if they can keep... I'm the president of the bandwagon. But if they can keep taking those steps forward on defense... Yeah, that's a concern for me, yeah. Things are going to get very interesting in the West Division. So here's what I'm looking at while you're chatting right now. So you know who they do not play this year? They do not play Boise State. (laughs) Do you know how you host a Mountain West title game? Uh, It's conference record, right? That's number one, conference record. No, I'm just saying, odds of Boise are losing toward Hawaii losing... I got. Let me pull up my schedule super quick here, because they um, they miss San, they they do play San Diego State to end the season, and they and they play also Fresno, both road games. Those are tough, obviously. We would assume they still are. However, if you don't play the best team in the conference, and I'm just saying, there's a there's a chance the Islands could be hosting Mountain West title game. I'm just saying, there's a small chance at the moment. Wouldn't that be something? That would be amazing. However, have you seen the early line for Army? Hawaii? Uh, if I remember your tweet from earlier this evening, it was, what, Army minus nine? I, I, don't, I don't know what it was at the moment, but right now it's minus seven. Hmm. FPI gives them an 84% chance to win in Army, I'm saying. This is in out in New York, out there on CBS Sports Network at um, the home of the uh, West Point. Yeah, excuse me, West Point. Yeah, it's uh, they're predicting Army to win this game, who's already won and won. Well, don't count out the Warriors. Okay, here's the thing. Army lost to Duke and beat Liberty. Come on. How were they a favorite by a touchdown? 
Well, I mean, Liberty's kind of trash. Duke might actually be pretty good. Yeah, but lost by 20. That's true. However, one note, obviously this is a the time zone thing. It's a 6 a.m. Hawaii kick. Hmm. It's a... Well, we'll talk about that more in the preview. I'm just saying, that, that's the thing to look for. Noon Eastern kick. But I think that offense is going to give them a chance anywhere. But remember, also, Army beat San Diego State last year, so... Yeah. All right, we have some questions here. I'm trying to pull up as we're going here. Um, we have quite a few. Early odds? No, we don't need to do that. Crap, do I have my... Po- oh, podcast questions. Here we go. Um, Raj, talk about Boise State. Uh, we sort of did. There you go. Colin. Yeah, we did. Okay. Logan. <laughs> Logan. Okay, we talked about that. Here's last one for our good buddy, Fake Matt Mummy, who's awesome, playing in our fantasy football league, which I need to take my record on because I'm 2-0 on one of them, at least last week. Congratulations. Um, thank you. It's why for real. Heck yeah, they are. <laughs> Seriously, I'm, I'm I'm still waiting and seeing. I want to see that defense keep taking steps forward. What would you mean for real? Bowl game? Would that be for real? I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking about like if how would see... how would you define for real? I don't know. It's hard to say. They should have followed up with him. I would say, I'd say a bowl game this year would be say they're, yeah they're for real because there's a decent chance they could lose these road games at Army at Fresno at San Diego State and still finish like nine and three or something. That's true. So, I think I, at that point you would have to consider them for real. I'm saying after six and zero before they play Wyoming, yeah, they're for real. End of September. All right, I'm, I, I'm okay with that. I'm still going for that. If they better be ranked because they're getting points. If they're six and zero end of the month, they have to be ranked. They better be. Yes. All right. Next game. How, how many Mountain West teams will make bowl bowl games this year? I, hey, good to you ask. I just did my bowl predictions before we start, hopped on the podcast. We did have a foolish eight to start the year bowl eligible teams. Um, I'm down to six. At the moment, that's, that sounds about right, and that's slightly above their average. Um, I have, which I guess, um, um, Boise. Obviously, I have a uh, really quick uh, Utah State, UNLV, San Diego State, um, Fresno, and Hawaii, and UNLV. All right. So I guess, do you think are those are the top teams you think that should be represented this week? I think if CSU continues to rally, you can make the case for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about them too. Wyoming is out of the picture for you. For the moment, yeah. Okay, all right. It makes sense. Me too. So we know we know exactly what we're doing. We're on the same page here. Last one. Um, why hasn't Craig Thompson's hair gone gray in twenty plus years? Because he's not trying hard enough. Oh, so he's, so he's not stressed out. <laughs> There's no stressful because it, it was there was the uh, initial coin flip when it was a uh, CSU boys or BYU excuse me for the first conference game back in '99. The first conference game twenty years later is um, at CSU. Looks basically the same. Suit still fits awkwardly. A little too big, I think, <laughs> and and he looks almost the same in twenty years. That's that's not bad, man. It's like my, uh, Paul Rudd stuff going on there, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just saying. So I, I get. I like your answer better because he's not trying hard enough. He's not worried about something because we've seen him not try to pump up the league or all shucks. Uh, I guess the Gonzaga deal is off again, <laughs> and the Gonzaga president's like, wait, what? We haven't met yet, buddy. Why is this not going on? <laughs> huh. Those are some good questions there. Anything else we need to add? Are we good to go? I think we're all set. Um. There was something I was going to say, but I completely spaced on it. Oh, um, I'll, I'll hold this announcement for later because me, Eli, and a few others, you may know this, map, but I'm probably being pretty vague. Um, there's something pretty cool coming during the about four months away from now, five months, so stay tuned. I don't know. Now that's that. a tease. I don't know why I said that, but we're working on something. Let me. I'll give you I'll give you a better cl- uh, clue. You know our buddy Ryan Swanson who writes some historical stuff? Yes, I do. I'll just leave it at that. And we mentioned Craig Thompson 20 years later. I'm just saying. Mm, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll be back. Um, we're still figuring out our week weekly schedule for weekday sort of. We'll see how it goes. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks for the second most people ever joining our website on Saturday. Hopefully that number gets to be minuscule and we don't count anymore for that. But 
Thank you for hopping by. MWR.com. Also, hey, really quick. Everybody loves FUBU, apparently, because we, we put a link like, hey, we want to help you out. If you want that same deal, trial type stuff, go to MWCWire.com. Go to the very bottom. There's a FUBU link plus other stuff. That's all I got CBS Network for a while, or Sports Network. So just saying, we see people going through, so we appreciate that as well. But we'll Just be... keep creating fake emails to get those free trials. Hey, how many? I got plenty of credit cards, Matt. I have plenty, oh, yeah. of, plenty of debit cards, plenty of email addresses. So <laughs> I am been using – I've gone different routes. I wanted to try YouTube. I want to try FUBU. I've tried different ones. But I've tried FUBU. But just saying, seriously, it, it works great. I used it for at least a week. But, yeah, use a different credit card, different debit, different ebook. Hey, go buy a prepaid card. That doesn't cost you any money to fill it up and do that for a week just so it has like oh, a dollar. That's smart. So it has like, like a – You know what I mean? Put 10 bucks on there. And then that's that's a thinking college football fans it plan. Does. That's the outside the box because it takes a buck out and they get a dollar back. And for the people who continue to pay for it, I'm glad it helped out because that helps us out quite a bit. And it's awesome. It's just a way to not to worry about. It. Like for me, I have an apartment complex. CBS Sports Networks cost a bunch of money to add on, so I'm 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 holding off, Matt, as much as I can. I may have to get it mid season, but I'm trying to save that 25 bucks a month or whatever, maybe to add like, like I said last week, like three channels I want. So, mm-hmm. and it happens to be CBS. So, all right, that's it for tonight. Enough spill shilling for the end of the show, but MWR.com, Facebook, Twitter, Mountain West Wire. And thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you next time, folks.